0: Welcome to NBA Sound System for part two of our best players of the 90s. On episode one, 11 of the best players of the decade were ranked. Now in part two, questions abound, such as does Dennis Rodman make the list as we pick things back up?
1: Moving on to number 12, we have Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler makes number 12 on the top 15 list. I will be completely transparent and honest with you guys. Uh, I would have probably went back and put him in the top fifteen before, but I did write down some reasons why I didn't have him in initially.
0: You guys both had him in, uh, if I'm not mistaken. We did. Yeah. If you were you were actually yeah, the well. only of the nine to not have him in. So yeah. I would love to hear that. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. You
1: should be I'm gonna crush you for this. I'm, I'm embarrassed. Before, you should be embarrassed. First, before we we, we go into uh, why I didn't have him, why I didn't, why I wrote down why I didn't have him in, why did you guys have him in?
2: I can take this. So, really, Clyde. I mean, his peak was eighty-five to ninety-two, uh, culminating in ninety-two, where he was second in MVP voting, first team All NBA, took the Blazers to the finals. Um, this is a guy who who actually averaged eight assists per game in nineteen eighty-five, and then before he transitioned to like a mid twenty scorer, and was and was putting up almost LeBron-like numbers up until ninety-one, ninety-two. Um, then his he he took a dip after. 94 until he was traded to the Rockets where he won a title, averaged 22, 10 and 7 in the 95 finals, okay? Then the last 3 years of his career after that, he were still productive up until 1998, had a player efficiency rating around 20. Um and even with with those years and trailing off at the end of the 90s, this guy averaged 20.7 rebounds and 5 assists in the playoffs 5 times in the 90s. No one else did it more than once. Okay, so even if you're saying he was washed the second half, he still managed to accomplish that. But here's where I'm really gonna, I am really—I want to crush Carlin. So <laughs> in the early 90s, right? The, say, say you're only taking the first six years of the 90s and you're saying Clive is washed for the rest, right? In that six years, he won a title, Okay, made the, made the finals twice, made the All-Star team five times, and was All-NBA four times, okay? You, put, you did not put him on your list, okay? But you have Grant Hill at number 11. 11, who only played five seasons in the entire decade and never won a playoff series. I mean, come on. If you're going to put Grant Hill on, how do you not put the guy who had that type of the first half of the 90s in there and still, met, and still played the rest of the decade? I mean, that's insane.
1: In, in defense of my Grant Hill pick, <laughs> uh, Grant Hill was also All-NBA five times, four of them coming in the 90s, the exact same amount of All-NBA teams that Clyde Drexler made in the 90s because one of them came in the 80s. So we're on par right there, and we're talking about a guy who just stepped into the NBA, just entered the NBA at the back end of the decade and was already one of the best players in the league at the time, so much so that most were saying he was the next Michael Jordan. Grant Hill. We're talking about Grant Hill. I would appreciate that, especially you coming from a guy who just last week said that Luka Doncic at 20 years old is in <laughs> comparison to Michael Jordan in just his second year in the NBA who hasn't even made the playoffs. So we'll leave that there with the Grant Hill stuff. But the reason why I didn't I, I didn't put uh, Clyde Drexler on initially, and, and he absolutely deserves to be one of the top 15 players uh, in the decade. I was wrong about that. But initially why I didn't put him on was uh, – after the 92-93 season, where he had his peak, uh, second in MVP voting, after that, completely fell off a map in terms of his, his production, in ter- at his bar. After that, he had one top 10 MVP finish. After that one season uh, where they were able to make the finals, uh, that 92 uh, championship run. The 92-93 season, the Portland Trailblazers had the second best odds to win the NBA title plus 350, only behind the Chicago Bulls. They had the exact same team come back, and they signed Rod Strickland to come off the bench. And Rod Strickland is no slouch. Rod Strickland is a nice player. The team finished fourth. They get bounced in the first round by the San Antonio Spurs. Following year, Clyde Drexler, and granted, I have to give him some some slack there. He did miss some time with injury in the 92-93 season, but he was healthy, and he was ready to go to the back into the season, and he played in that playoff series. They lost in the first round. So the year after that pretty much the same team the only difference they didn't they trade Kevin Duckworth and they pick up Harvey Grant so still a championship team that went to the finals two years ago sub 50 win season and they get bounced in the first round again. Clyde Drexler after that peak in 92. I don't know what Michael Jordan did to him but he wasn't the same player gets demands a trade to the Houston Rockets because he couldn't handle being the man anymore. Couldn't handle being, having his own team and having the scrutiny that he was under after failing to win an NBA championship and plays with the best center of the decade and wins a title. I can't give him that credit. I, again, he deserves to be a top 15, but I can't give him as much credit as you guys are giving him for that one championship win because just like Robert Horry and all those other guys, he was being carried by Akeem Olajuwon who dominated that playoff run. Dominated that playoff run.
2: You're gonna say a guy. You're gonna say a guy who averaged 22, 10, and seven in the finals was equivalent to Robert Horry who averaged six points a game and <laughs> was carried. I, I walk mean, this path. guy
1: was an absolute stun in those parts. I'll walk that back. He did. He was. He was a piece <laughs> of the puzzle, but he wasn't Hakeem Olajuwon. Without Hakeem, he's not winning an NBA championship. He's not. He just isn't. He had his opportunity. He had his opportunity uh, in, in, in '92. Obviously, lost to the greatest of all time, but he couldn't even get his team past the first round. Beyond that. Absolutely fell off a cliff. And the voters at the time, people that were covering the league, didn't even mention him in the top 10 of MVP voting the rest of his career. The guy became a second fiddle at that point of his career. That's the only reason why he was able to win a championship. And before that, the the, the knock on Clyde Drexler was he couldn't get it done in the clutch. Phil Jackson said it before the 92 uh, series against the, uh, against the Portland Trailblazers. Michael Jordan said it in the 92 series against the Portland Trailblazers. This was the storyline heading into that series... And they bounced the guy out in six games after they had the series tied because they couldn't get it done under the clutch. He couldn't handle the pressure of being the man and had to go and be Robin and win a championship somewhere else. So I, I, I docked him points for that. But saying all that, he did deserve to be in the top 15.
0: <laughs> but that's <laughs> originally are, why it didn't happen. One of the things that I feel like I, I wish I would have looked at more with Clyde because I, I'm, with, uh, I'm with Alex here. I had him in there, but I think I would have put him higher. So if you look, I don't think I realized that sort of the very tail end of his career, he was still as impactful as he was. And really, like, especially when you consider the era in which he did it in, right, like late 90s, it's, it's, everything is really slow, right? So you're looking at all those per game numbers and they're not really jumping out and giving the credit that they, that they, they probably would otherwise. If you look At his last two seasons, just in terms of scoring, rebounding, and assists, on a per 100-level basis, the only two guys who can match Clyde Drexler are Scottie Pippen and Grant Hill. And that's it. Like So, like, washed, washed, uh, I'm I'm doing air quotes, which you obviously can't see over a podcast. (laughs) Uh, Washed Clyde Drexler on a per possession basis is scoring, rebounding, and handing out dimes on the same level as two guys that are basically top five MVP candidates in the middle of their prime. And this is the last two seasons of Drexler's career, not even talking about the first couple of years. So I, I, w- I wish I would have put Drexler higher. He's another guy that I think upon a second glance and, and taking a closer look, probably is, a, is someone that I was like, ah, no, he was better in the 80s without really giving him more credit for the longevity of, of how impactful he was throughout the duration of the 90s.
2: Yeah, Michael, you should also get crushed for putting Grant Hill two spots ahead of him. So you deserve some of
1: that, <laughs> some of that too.
2: I mean, Carlin, I do respect that you admitted your uh, your error and clearly did a ton of research uh, to try to compensate for that error going into every game the the Blazers played for four years in the early '90s. So I, I respect I respect that contriteness there.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I. That's what I thought of. I thought of the guy failed when he had his team, and that was very early in the decade and became Robin, but I, I, I had to give him a little more credit than that. I, if I had to, to, to switch someone out, take someone off the list and put him on, it's Reggie Miller. Don't ask me the order of where I would put him in the top, you know, in the bottom five. He'd be in the bottom five for sure for me, uh, but I, I think Reggie Miller drops out and you, you, have, you have Clyde Drexler on the list. Sorry, Reggie. Scott, any thoughts on uh, Clyde?
3: Not really. I, I I thought it was interesting because, uh, Mike, you said you'd probably move him up a little bit. Colin, you said you'd move him up maybe only just outside of the, or just inside this list, so 15 or something like that. So I do think it's interesting how Micah sounds like he'd move him up a couple spots. Colin, you're a little bit, eh, indifferent, I guess, and, uh, Alex, I, I don't know if you'd, where did you have him on yours? 11? I'd have been 11. Would, yeah. would you have him higher or lower, or, or
0: just the same after that?
2: He... I could see him over. I could see him over Payton. He can't make the top
0: ten. He just. I would, I would consider him ten or eleven. I he'd be right there with Gary Payton for me at ten or eleven. I, I just wouldn't have him in the top ten. I, I I love Clyde, but I just wouldn't have him in the top ten. Well, you you wouldn't have a lot of things that you should have. So that's, <laughs> speaking that's of a which, huge problem, my man. Speaking of which, speaking of which, I can't number wait. thirteen, can't
1: <laughs> Grant Hill. Grant Hill made my list at number eleven. Oh, the big list, number thirteen. Micah, you agree with me in saying that he is one of the fifteen best players of the decade. Uh let's defend our Grant Hill pick. Uh I'll go to you first since you went to the same university. Uh why Grant Hill in the top 50?
0: Look, I said at the very top that I probably weighed uh the, the guys with higher peaks necessarily than uh than longevity. So I I fully uh understand where Alex is coming from. Guy didn't even join come into the NBA until the 94-95 season, uh one rookie of the year, by the way. Uh, Led the entire NBA in triple doubles for the decade, despite playing half the decade, right? Like uh, he was a finished third in MVP voting in 96, 97 behind only Carl Malone and Michael Jordan. I think that like the best version of Grant Hill, I, I think like he has a top seven or eight peak in terms of like, if you take every single one of these guys and you say, okay, give me their best Three years and three years only. I understand that's not what we're doing here. It's, it's the whole decade. But I think like Grant Hill at his very, very best is better than a lot of the guys even above him uh, on these top 15. And I don't know. We, we don't need to get into, into why again, but it's a. It's, I just value the higher ceiling. Uh, than sort of some other people might.
1: I'm going to piggyback off that before we let Alex crush us a little bit here. Uh, five times he made All-NBA in his career, and four of them came in the 90s. The one year that he didn't make it in the 90s was because he was a rookie. He made he won Rookie of the Year, All-Rookie First Team, of course, in that year. Uh, was top 10 in MVP voting Every single year of the decade, other than the rookie season, high, as, as Michael said, uh, at, at, at third in that uh, year behind uh, when Malone stole it from MJ, and then seventh in win share from the time he entered the league. Give this guy more credit than, he, than what he gets. And then also, when you don't even forget about the numbers for a second, the league decided they could have picked anybody. They could have picked anybody. The league decided that this guy was going to be the next Michael Jordan. He was shoved down our throats. He, had, he was on almost every single commercial. Had his own shoe, five minutes of being in the league. Was on every single... He was the Sprite spokesperson, the same way LeBron James is right now. He was so important to the, 90, the back end of the 90s that you can't discredit him. If he doesn't get hurt, we're talking about him in a different light completely.
2: Yeah. I agree with all everything you're saying about how great he was. I mean, he was, he was incredible. No, no, no. You're not going to sit
0: here and agree. <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to let you do this. You're not going to sit here and let us go first after disparaging us in the lead up to this and say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I agree, I agree. No. Come back <laughs> at us. Come if back gonna, at us. I'm trying to
2: be nice. I'm trying. I'm trying to be nice no, no, here no, for no, a second. Take the gloves I just, off. I mean, I mean. All right, all right. Let's stop the popularity let's go. contest here. Let's all right. Go. It's it's great that Gran Hill is a, is a big name and he did had a lot of shoe deals and he made some All Star teams and he's still famous now because you know even even Scott knows who he is because he played for 20 years and still and is one of the top announcers. But the guy only played five seasons, and it's not like those five those five seasons were individual successful seasons they were statistically successful his team made the playoffs only three out of those five seasons they won 50 games once and he never won a playoff series I mean I I can see putting a guy in who only played five seasons if like it was Tim Duncan and he won two titles in his first four years or, or whatever but if a guy doesn't win a single thing in five years how are you putting him as one of the the top 13 best players of the decade I mean, put Isaiah Thomason, who was on the in the first half of the decade, won a title and made four All-Star teams. There's just put Sean Kempen who was good the entire decade and made a Finals, almost won Finals MVP. I mean, there's so many guys that should be ranked ahead of him. Plus, like you guys po- both put Clyde Drexler behind him. I mean, that's we already talked about that, but that's insane. We were wrong. But I don't know. I'm. I mean, Grant Hill is, was a great player at his peak, individually successful but his teams never won anything and he only played half a decade i think it's crazy to put him in are we going to put carl anthony towns in as one of the best players of the don't 2010s do that grant, i mean it's basically no, no, sa- Don't do it's that the same grant. thing no it's not
0: no it's not this is not if, if this was Sharifa, statistically no if this was of abdurahim you'd have some you'd have an argument with about carl anthony towns don't don't you dare besmirch grant hills <laughs> glorious, beautiful name with carl anthony i can't make the playoffs towns don't do that
2: he made he made it he made it once i mean Grant Hill made it Don't three do that. times. All right, incredible. I think there's some Duke. Four, uh, bias there, there's dude.
1: no, That's no. Okay. You, you got to give credit though 4 for all NBA finishes. And by the way, uh, none of them were th- were uh, 13. Like they were either second or first team.
0: Yeah, because he's a legitimate. He's a legitimate top 10 guy for half the decade. Which is all. a uh, lot so of not he like it? was. Well, look at look at the rest of those <laughs> Pistons teams. Michael Jordan didn't win it. Okay, if this, was the, if this was the first four years of Michael Jordan's career, would be killing him too because he didn't make it out of the first round either. He got swept, right? I, th- I believe his first three times or two of his first three. He was, no, he, he lost to the Bucs in four and got swept twice by the Celtics. You'd be looking back at yourself in 1988 hosting NBA Sound System, killing Michael Jordan for, <laughs> for, for the 80s. Yeah, I,
2: I probably wouldn't have him as one of the best players of the 80s if he only played five seasons and didn't win a playoff series. I mean, Grant Hill he, couldn't beat the Hawks in a five-game series. It's like, You couldn't win one five-game the series? The Hawks were
1: a good team. We're talking about Steve Smith, to Kevin Matumbo. Scott <laughs> just did a piece on him at NBA.com on NBA.com on Dennis Rodman is rebounding
0: against that same Atlanta Hawks team. Yeah, you know what Dennis, Scott, what do you, you know,
3: got It. You know what Dennis Rodman did to you that? You got to get in Oak here thing, on Grant though? Hill.
0: You got to get here. You got to get here and Grant – Now, save that for a minute because we're going to get into Dennis okay. Rodman. I got some we'll – drop us some knowledge on Grant Hill. Uh, The
3: only thing I have to say is I think it's hilarious just how much the game has changed. So you were saying Grant Hill led that the 90s in triple doubles. He had 29 triple doubles in those seasons. Luka has 14 triple doubles alone this season. And (laughs) I am by no means saying that Luka Doncic has right now had a better career than Grant Hill or anything. It was better than that span. But it's just incredible how much the game has changed in really so little time. That's all I have to say on this topic. Grant Grant Hill was Luka Doncic though. Like at the time.
1: They're similar. Right? Like, like, yeah. From a, you know, from
2: a statistical perspective.
1: Luca like, but- Luca was a much
2: better winner than Grant Hill was during that. How? How do, we, how do we, we know that? Other than that. Because Luca's second season, he's going to win 50 games. Grant Hill could sniff played, a playoff
0: series win. He has not played in a playoff At game all. yet. What are you talking
3: <laughs> about? <laughs> At all. <laughs> I, I'd um, rather have Luca on my team than Grant Hill, though. I'm with Alex. Yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> sure yeah no, that, no surprise show. there by the way <laughs> What's, whatsoever uh Dikembe Mutombo, 14 i had him higher
0: on the list uh what do you guys feel about deke i i, I begrudgingly i kind of honestly like begrudgingly had him in like what? i was just think like you like you're a three time defensive player there you should be in that's why i had him yeah, okay. in okay i thought you i thought you're well you say begrudgingly no, like, like you had a tough time putting well, him like, in. He had I, a couple of really great defensive seasons, and I think in an in an era of the '90s that is dominated by other centers, like he's clearly not in the class of Hakeem and David Robinson and Shaq and Patrick Ewing, and I, you know, so I I just think he, like he's very clearly a second tier at his own position guy, and that's why like I I kind of had him in there because you can't look at a guy that wins defensive player to the year three times in a decade and not have him in there but like only made one all nba team again that's that's because of the position that he played at 23rd in win shares throughout the 90s i i don't know i i have kind of i could go either way like you could throw you could throw five different names in here for, in the Matumbo spot and i i wouldn't uh begrudge anyone
2: yeah, I'm with you, Mike. It wasn't—it definitely wasn't the sexy pick to have him in there, but I had him. I had him too. Similar to what you're saying, also the longevity and the, the consistency. I mean, he was good. He came into league 91 and was good every single year. Was an elite defender and rebounder. He only missed 20 games the entire decade after he came into the league. Um, and I, I said, but I actually slighted him before. When I said only Ewing, Hakeem, and Robinson were blocking three or four shots a game. But for a, I mean, he averaged three blocks a game for one, two, three, four, five, seven years in a row.
0: I also that's, think that's you don't see that. I also think it's worth pointing out. So, uh, you know, when, when the eight seed nuggets beat the top seed Sonics uh, in the 94 playoffs, uh, Mutombo averaged over six blocks a game in that series, including eight blocks in the winner take all game five. He had more block shots in that game five winner take all win than either Sean Kemp or Gary Payton had made field goals. So like, that's the type of like <laughs> dominant destructive force that that guy was on the on the other end of the floor. Yeah, he, he that's a crazy stat.
1: Led the league in blocks uh, three three seasons. I for me, what it came down to was this: in the era as you guys said of centers and and guys who were actually you know Hakeem was a great shot blocker and, and great defender. David Robinson, obviously great defender. Uh, Alonzo Mourning, list goes on. He was the best defender of of them all, and I couldn't have him not be in there you know, given what he did in that decade. And, you know, he was he was so good that you kind of had to game plan a, around what he could do to room protect, which is a unique situation like this. I don't know what, what would be the equivalent in the league right now for, like, a, a guy that's that good defensively where you kind of have to game plan uh, to to go away from him because he's just set I mean, it's, that it's much Ru- of a it, force.
3: It's Rudy Gobert, right?
1: Right, yeah. But even um, Rudy Gobert, you could kind of take him out of the out of the game a little bit. At that time, Akeem, I mean, sorry, Dikembe, you just couldn't eliminate him. Like, he was he was going to be a presence.
3: You say that, though, but the only way that you can kind of run Rudy Gobert off the floor now is if, one, you're the Golden State Warriors at the peak of their powers, and, two, you're the Rockets who are playing small ball in a way that we've never seen before. So I feel like if you just drop Rudy Gobert in the 90s, same team, same role as Dikembe Mutombo, to me that seems like he'd be basically the same player. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Uh, no argument. He'd be similar. Yeah. Yeah, no, Dakembe, by the way, he'd be similar. Dikembe,
3: most most defensive player of the year award awards of all time, won it uh, four times, tied with Ben Wallace. Um, I have a soft spot for Dakembe because I grew up a Houston Rockets fan, so I saw him. I he, he he was still playing when he was forty-two years old, which is absolutely nuts. Um, although the lasting image of him, or well, the last image of him on a basketball court was him uh, busting up his knee and having to be taken off the court, which was very sad, but. Uh that guy played for a very, very, very long time.
1: That just shows you how good he was defensively, because like if he's able to play at forty-two for one specific skill, imagine when he was in his prime just
3: how dominant he was. I mean his last three seasons with the Rockets, um, so when he was forty years old to forty-three years old, played sixteen minutes a game and averaged one point one blocks. Um, which is which is nuts.
2: Yeah. He was still a per 36 monster at age 41 <laughs> from a defensive Perspective, the the one weird nugget. This doesn't really play into anything that we're talking about, but he averaged his rookie season. He averaged a career high sixteen point six points per game. The rest of his career, he didn't get above thirteen point eight. So it's it's just weird how he came into the league and and was scoring at a pretty high clip, and then just decided, all right, I'm just gonna focus on on blocking four shots a game. It's kind of rare.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad that a defense first player that leaned into one elite skill finally got the top fifteen credit he deserved. Unlike someone else that we'll get to here in a minute.
1: Yeah, number. Good to see number, number fifteen on the list is Alonzo. Morning. Uh, I actually had Alonzo in the top ten. I, I probably, I probably overshot that a little bit. You got to defend that. You yeah. got to defend that, I, man. So at, at the time, my thinking was a guy that was on. So he was on two different teams in the decade. But you're talking about a guy who was an all-defensive player of the year, uh, made all-defensive team in the, in the 90s, a blocks leader in the 90s. Uh, he, he was on all-NBA first team. It, it wasn't until he actually got help that we got a chance to see how good Alonzo Mourning could be. Meaning when he was with Tim Hardaway in the Miami Heat and a good coach in Pat, Pat Riley, rather uh, that you saw the peak of Alonzo Mourning. Was he good with the Charlotte Hornets? Of course. But he wasn't who he was with with the uh, Miami Heat. And the Miami Heat teams, like, they were, you know, consistently at the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh if it wasn't for Michael, who they'd probably make a finals. Uh and and he he's he's just a victim of Michael's circumstances, really. His time in Charlotte he got beat by Michael. His time in Miami he got beat by Michael. And to me he was one of the better centers of the decade. Doing on both ends of the floor. Like he, he was as good defensively as he was offensively.
2: Yeah I think Zo is uh <laughs> Zoe is probably underappreciated too, uh, because his career kind of took a nosedive, um, you know, right after the decade ended, and it was kind of he kind of had a, an abrupt end to his peak. But yeah, he was a guy who was who was talked about as one of the most feared defensive players uh, for a, for five or six years, and scored probably one of the best two-way players um, outside of the guys we've already talked about in the last forty years. So it's it's hard to argue. I didn't have him on the list, but it's hard to argue having him in there.
0: I think it's a little I think it's a little odd that Zoe's best season was that lockout shortened season of ninety-eight-99. And it also came in a year in which his heat got upset in the first round in an 8-1 game by by the Knicks. Like I don't know, like I, I think I think maybe if, if like you you play that season or that postseason over again and that kind of goes more chalk Maybe there's a way that we look back on Zo as the guy a little bit more favorably, but that was a, that was a year that kind of really stuck out to me, where it was like, finally he comes through, he has his best year, like he's in the MVP conversation, he's first team All NBA, and then boom, they get busted in the first round at eight one. Um, so I, I did not have Morning uh, in my top fifteen.
2: Yeah, I mean after after uh, his age twenty nine season in ni- in ninety nine two thousand. Uh, I know it's not that you were talking about. He got hurt the next year and only had one season after that where he was played over 25 minutes per game. Right. He, so, he I mean, did in fairness, age, 20, age 29 kind of faded in out.
1: fairness. He did get sick. He did have to retire pre kind of prematurely with the, uh, with the kidney, the kidney issue. He, I think he had kidney disease or, um, and he had to leave, uh, yeah. you know, abruptly. And I don't think if that, if that doesn't happen, I, I think we kind of look at him a little bit different. I know he does come back and ends up winning with Miami, but you know, that's the, that, a part of his legacy that he got a kind of a short uh shorter season or shorter career rather than he probably would have had even he entirely healthy
0: and for what it's worth that that mvp voting in 98 99 was really close like he almost won that over carl malone only had eight fewer first place votes uh a really close second three-way race with with malone and tim duncan so like i don't know if nine sports writers feel a little bit different in the spring of 1999 do we think of alonzo Mourning differently? Uh, historically looking back so yeah.
1: yeah and again like I said he falls victim to MJ He's uh, he's been eliminated by him a few times in the playoffs um, so that's the list that's the top 15 and there is no Dennis Rodman there is no Dennis Rodman on the top 15 list which you can find on NBA.com I personally had him on the list I don't think you could tell the 90 story without talking about D-Rod um, Micah you had him on your list correct yeah I had him 12. 12th on your list Alex did you have yeah. him on yours I didn't know. Let's start with you. Why did you not have Dennis Rodman on the list?
2: I just think he was too one-dimensional. I mean, I know he was incredible. Well, okay, two-dimensional. He was an incredible <laughs> uh, uh, defender and, and and rebounder. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see the argument for it. I just, I think he, he wrote, like, you know, his, his legacy got elevated significantly higher because he rode Jordan and Pippen to those three titles. I know he contributed, but, I mean, he wouldn't have sniffed the title you know, unless he was the fourth, third, or fourth best player on team, so I, I, I just think he he lucked into a good spot there, um, and and I, yeah, I mean I see the argument for having
0: him on there. I just didn't think he did enough. Really, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have sniffed a title. The same guy that won a title in the nineties with, with Detroit.
2: Yeah, I was talking about. That's a stupid comment. All right, I, I walk that back. But <laughs> towards towards the towards the second half of his career, he would he he wouldn't have sniffed the title. He was what he was a six man on the on the Pistons and contributed. But all right, go ahead, Michael. Why don't you why don't you say your case? No, the
0: show? N- no, I'm just like a guy that's like a he was a two time Defensive Player of the Year before completely remaking himself. Like he's like two different guys in the '90s. Like he wasn't always this rebounding rebounding God that he all, all of a sudden is lead leading the league and rebounding seven straight years. Like, like his one dimension was maybe better than anyone else's one dimension. Like he was more of a rebounding God than, than John Stockton was an assist King or Michael Jordan was a scoring King. Like nobody could come close to rebounding like Dennis Rodman. He did it six, seven. I think his defensive versatility, Phil Jackson's on the record as uh, saying that Rodman's ability to guard bigs. Like I know that they had Luke Longley, but like, those Bulls teams had themselves a version of that death lineup in which Dennis Rodman is playing center. And I just think like, he's a guy that I think if we would have had some of the stats that we have today, I think like his activity level would have been just through the roof outrageous. I don't think there's anybody remotely like him. And uh, I don't know. I What do you guys, what do you guys think?
1: I'll defer to defer to Scott first because he just actually wrote an article about Dennis Rodman and how important he is to the Chicago Bulls and what he meant to that championship team. Uh so what do you have, Scott?
3: Well, first of all, that there is a pretty clear comparison for him and that, that person is Jordan Bell. Uh you can hear more about that in our podcast <laughs> last week. Uh if you want to go hear I'm more meet about that myself. Um No, I I mean, like you guys were saying, or like Michael was saying, he kind of transitioned from a defensive player, super versatile guy, um, to just a tenacious rebounder in the 90s. He led the league in rebounding seven years in a row, I believe, um, which puts him second behind Wilt Chamberlain for the most rebounding titles. The the numbers that he just put up in those seasons are outrageous. Like The first year that he led the league in rebounding, he averaged 18.7 rebounds per game. Um, and, and something we we talked about it earlier today but something that gets forgotten is that he was still av- in that last season with the Bulls when they three-peated for the second time that decade he was still leading the league in rebounding with 15 a game and he was 36 years old like he, he was this wasn't young Rodman this was old Rodman at an age where guys are usually washed and can't do these things anymore because they can't keep up with guys who are five ten years younger than them um, but yeah no he he's a he's a fascinating guy because you know, we've been going up and down this list, Colin. You said, you know, the top 10 has to be guys that play both ends of the floor and everything like that. And suddenly you have a guy like Rodman who really did excel in two very specific ways. And those two very specific things were super important and helped the team win championships and everything like that. But comparing it to other guys, it, it is very tricky, I think.
1: It, for me, it came down to uh, a couple of things for Rodman. One, we know about the rebounding and defending, but I think you can make an argument and saying that the Bulls probably don't threepeat without Dennis Rodman on the team. He was just as important as Pippen was, uh, as Michael was. What he brought specifically to, to the team uh, was huge. I mean, he's guarding Karl Malone in, in, in two playoff series. I don't know that you know, Pippen would have been able to do as much as, uh, as, as good of a job as Rodman did in those series in, in terms of taking him out of what he, he was able to do, uh, getting in people's head. And then the second thing, he, he guarded Sean Kemp, who was at the height of his you know, career in the, in the first of the three championships so much so, so well that in, 96, in the 96-97 uh, final, uh, Dennis Rodman got two finals votes. Two finals MVP votes in that series, just based off of rebounding and defending. Like that's important. I, th- that doesn't happen in today's game. Like that. The, ne- the next time we probably saw that was Ben Wallace in in the series with the Lakers, and Chauncey Billups ends up winning the finals MVP. But that's how important be- uh, De- Dennis Rodman was to the Chicago Bulls championship run. And they're the team of the decade. And if he's that important to that team, I think he has to be one of the most you know the top 15 players of that of that era and by the way like people forget about his spurs era because he just wasn't locked in and they didn't have the leadership to to, to get him in, involved at that point in his life and if you watch the documentary you see how depressed he was and everything else that was going off on off the court he was still you' still decent like he was still one of the best rebounders in the league still a really good defender and uh he was still a part of the team that you know, went to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, they got destroyed by the Houston Rockets, but he was on that team and and, and was still contributing. Uh, so, I mean, yes, he 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 had a lot of his accomplishments before the decade began, but he closed it off pretty strong. And you know, he, he was an important factor to what the Bulls were doing in the nineties.
3: So, Colin, he's still in your top fifteen, right? Because you said yeah, you probably bumped, Cl- yeah. But you said you'd probably have Clyde in there if you redid this. So then Reggie's are out. You're you, you bumping Reggie. Okay, got it. Reggie's on.
1: out. Yeah. Dennis Rodman to me, you have to you have to have Dennis Rodman if you're going to talk '90s basketball. Like he's like we're going to see on uh, the next two episodes of The Last Dance. Dennis Rodman's a part of that. He, he gets his own episode. If he was Tony Kukoc, maybe he's not in the top 15, but he's not. You know, he, he deserves his own. Uh, he deserves his top 15 rank.
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going to take the Carlin route and admit my uh, admit my error. You uh, you convinced me. Both of you guys convinced me. I think um, he probably should be in there. I, I'd probably put him in over Matumbo or Sean Kemp, uh, two guys that I, that I had. I'd probably put him at 15 over Matumbo,
1: but I was wrong. You are right. I still can't believe you're going to hold strong in this de- the shrimp stuff. Get him out of your top 15. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's just get into
0: <laughs> it now. We've, we've done, we're, 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 we're going to what, 98 minutes yeah, here? Get, let's get into what, d- what are you d- doing? You can list yeah. for
2: Grant Hill? I mean, I. I had so much deadlift shrimp ammunition saved up, but we're 90 minutes in, and I, we've been arguing so much. I'm like, I got nothing left in the tank, but <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Plus, you humiliated me with the Rodman thing, but I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna try to convince you on Detlef shrimp. Who, um, not we're done with the 15, right? We're talking yeah, about snubs. snubs besides, uh, we we just went to Rodman. Yeah. So, Detlef shrimp was probably the most underappreciated player, um, in the last 30 years, I would say. You look at uh, just—we talked about consistency. His—he was maybe the most consistent guy out of everyone we've talked about, besides probably call him alone. His production and just his impact on winning. All right, we're gonna play a little uh, play a little guessing game real quick. Okay, there were two players. There were two players in the '90s who had a thousand points, five thousand rebounds, and three thousand assists. Okay, which I know I cherry pick a lot of numbers, but those are pretty fundamental numbers. So, you're trying you to, are, are you trying to, guys? is this
0: the Thaddeus Young game? Or are you trying to say he's the Thaddeus <laughs> Young of the 90s?
2: 1,000 points, 5,000 rebounds, 300 assists? I'm sorry, 3,000 assists? That's, that's pretty basic. Yeah. That's not that young. Okay, whatever. One of them's Pippen and the other one's Detlef Shrimp. Okay. Guess how many guys averaged 15 points, three reba- five rebounds, and three assists each year of the 90s? Guess how many? Two. Okay, the answer is two. One of them was Charles Barkley, the other was Detlef Shrimp. Okay, guess how many guys had a season in the 90s where they averaged at least 19 points, nine rebounds, and six assists?
1: I'll go two again.
2: Three. There's three. One of them was Larry Bird. The other one was, another one was Grant Hill, who I wish wasn't on that list. And then the third was uh, Detlef Schrempf. Okay. Schrempf was 10th overall in win shares for the decade. Okay, he, he was traded to the Pacers in 1989 when they were 28 and 54. The next season, he was 42 and 40, and he made the playoffs every year until the lockout season. Okay, and then we're talking about versatility. In, in 1995 96, he took 181, th- sorry, 94 95, he took 181 threes and made 93. Okay, for those who are not great at math, that's 51.4% <laughs> from three for the season. The only guys, guess how many guys in the history, how many different guys have taken over 153s and made 50%? Is Matt Thomas one of them? (laughs) (laughs) He's going to join that list eventually. The answer is
0: four. Four guys.
2: The answer is four. The answer is four. The other guys are Steve Kerr, Tim Legler, and Jason Capono. You know what else those other guys did in their career? Nothing. They were strictly three-point shooters. That's all they did. They, they literally didn't do a single other thing on the court. And we're talking about a guy who averaged 19.96 9. in the season and shot over 50% from three, you know, taking 180 shots. I mean, that's, no one's doing that today. He would be Scott's favorite player today. He'd be a max player. He, this was a 6'10 guy who was shooting 50% from three and dishing out six assists a game so far ahead of his time that he would be a top 10 player in the NBA today. So I just think top he's... ten. I think he'd be a top 10 player in the NBA today. Yeah, especially the way today's game is played when his volume of – three, he would be averaging over 20 points a game. He he would have the ball in his hands most of the time. I'm telling you, he's the most underappreciated player in the last 30 30 years, and to have Grant Hill over him in the top 15 players of the decade is a travesty
1: the same grant hill that finished third wow. in mvp voting and Detlef shrimp is nowhere on yeah the what list. are we what doing are we, here? what are we come on then he's going to be the top 10 player in the in the i'll, I'll defer to scott here because uh, it, scott's smiling and salivating over Detlef shrimp's numbers uh from the 90s go ahead scott
3: is this where I play my uh, Kraus card and get Detlef Shrimp in the top fifteen? Because uh, Alex just Alex just sold me. Uh, th- that was all music to my ears. I want to hear why he's wrong. So please, someone. Have you ever heard of him before this podcast? Oh yeah, no. yeah. No, I. I've, I've <laughs> that's why he's wrong. That's why he's wrong I, right I've heard there. of Detlef Shrimp, but I I haven't heard an argument against it right now. Both of you guys are just laughing at him. So I, I want to hear. He's
0: he's he's a he's a good fine solid third or fourth option on a team. There he is. Okay, and that's fine. So, like, there's, there's nothing wrong there. with that. There's He's like he's like better Joe Ingles. He's like Tony Kukoc. He's I was like say, oh my god, he's like Rashard Lewis. Like he's fine.
2: Rashard Lewis. Rashard Lewis never sniffed an assist in his career. You're gonna compare him to no a guy no, that I averaged mean, six assists. I assistant? mean, role.
0: I mean, in, in terms of like where work. his standing on a team is, like on a team's hierarchy. If he's your third best player, you're doing really well. Like I think he's he's a better version of Tony Kukoc or or Joe Ingles, and that's fine. If, there, if He's Shrimp. He's a fine player. If, Debtless, if you're getting mad
1: at, 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 at us for not putting Sean Kemp on our list, how dare you have Detlef Shrimp on the list and not Sean Kemp? They were on the same team, but Detlef Shrimp well, was, I had, I had was carrying his bags.
0: Are you sure you're not a Sonics <laughs> fan and instead of a Spurs fan? You got three three guys from a team that didn't win anything in your top 15 <laughs> players of the decade? What are you doing? It doesn't have Rodman. <laughs> I thought that was weird.
2: <laughs> I thought that was weird. I almost that almost that fact alone made me almost backtrack. But uh, the first almost. year, the first year that Shrimp got to the the Sonics, they won sixty three games. So he, I mean, he took that team to another level. Hey, forget the fact that they lost to the uh, Nuggets in the and first Rodman got to you know, the Bulls and no, they went no, seventy
0: two. I got one more for you. I got one more for you. Why <laughs> while you're at it, and while we're just leaning into wind shares, well let's just throw Hersey Hawkins in there. Yeah, too. why not? You know, Hersey, <laughs> Hey, he ranked. Hawkins. I was hoping
2: you didn't see that. Hersey
0: Hawkins ranked 14th in win shares in the 90s. We gonna throw him in there too? Let's, let's you know what though? On. You know what? George Carlin. the 90s. was
2: really good. George Carl, Hersey coach Hawkins. Of the 90s. I, this had me. <laughs> this had me looking at Hersey Hawkins. He was. He was a <laughs> stud too. He was. Go look at Hersey Hawkins. He'd be. He'd be a. a Top 20 player today. By the way, de- fact, were- that, that sounds Steam should have won.
1: By the way, Detlef Schremp, top 10 in uh, win shares in the regular season. Where is he on the playoff
3: win shares?
2: That, did they even have win- playoff win shares? I don't know. He's thir- that's, that's beyond my expertise. They do.
3: <laughs> if you stole, oh, you got
1: it. Great. <laughs> He's 36th <36 laughs> behind <laughs> such great players like okay, Sam Perkins, Terry Porter, uh the great rick smiths mario ellie bj
0: armstrong sean elliott
1: with grant Spoon- hill
0: on that all right I that? On that list jerome for Kersey. what it's worth <laughs> for what it's worth the other just because i know we're wrapping up here soon for what it's worth the other guys uh on this list to receive votes were penny hardaway tim hardaway kevin johnson and I'm not going to say who it was. Somebody voted for Glenn Robinson, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. But we're not. We don't need to go there. Yeah, someone's a big fan of uh, Big Dog Glenn
1: Rob. Uh, all right, last question before we get out of here. Uh, did, any, did doing this make you appreciate anybody more, other than Detlef Shrimp?
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, you know, you know who I'm going to say. But but honestly, we uh, we talked about it already. But I think uh, I think John Stockton. I, I just I can't really sing his praises enough. We don't need to go back into the stats, but but Stockton was as good as it gets. I put him up against any of the players on this list except for probably Jordan and Hakeem.
0: I think Ewing and Drexler both already are are all time I mean the great players. They speak for themselves. I think I would have I think I had Ewing a little bit lower in regard to those other great centers than maybe I probably should like I should have put him ahead of Shaq. And I think he's closer to David Robinson than he is, you know, down down closer to to where we had what DeKembe matumbo So
1: I I think David Robinson for me. Um I, I legit, legitimately thought about putting him uh in at at 2. Uh or or, or yeah, it, it just an argument with uh, with the team If you take away the rings and and the way that team beat him up in that one series, he's right there. Um David Robinson, I know he ended up 4 on my list behind Malone, but I I I played around with that a lot because he was uh, his accomplishments in that era is incredible, and I think people forget about it because Tim Duncan came through and, and surpassed him as a as a Spurs legend. But he was uh, he was a bad man back then. Uh, and and finally, anyone overrated? Who's who's overrated on this list? Uh, Reggie's my my answer. Um, he's on my top fifteen, but I think he's I probably realize that he's a little overrated, but still, made my top fifteen.
2: Yeah, you know mine. It's it's Grant Hill. I'm not overrated as a player he was in his peak, but he...
0: you don't even need, need to hear me say the name to know who I think <laughs> it is.
1: It's two for Reggie Scott. Scott, do you have uh, any final takeaways from the list? Anything you learned that stuck out to you while you were uh, digging
3: deep into the nineties? No, I enjoyed it. I, I think, to you, like you guys were saying, John Stockton and Patrick Ewing are the two guys that kind of stood out to me when we were talking about this and looking back at the stats and thinking, you know, how accomplished their their careers were um following up what you guys said reggie miller and grant hill are probably the two most overrated after everything we've talked about the the last thing the lasting thing i want to leave with you guys uh are dennis rodman's nicknames which i stumbled upon on basketball reference and they're just really good so i want to give them to you right now um one the worm think everyone knows that then we got dennis the menace country psycho my favorite rodzilla Demolition Man and El Loco. So, in addition to being an an incredible defender, a great rebounder, he might have the best group of nicknames in NBA history. So Ro- there you go.
1: Rodzilla. Rodzilla is uh, is up right up my alley because he uh, he actually got that while he in his time wrestling in WCW. Him and Carl Malone. There you go. Him and Carl <laughs> Malone in the middle. Imagine that in the middle of the finals, him and Carl Malone are uh, are showing up on on WCW TV after uh, after going you know six strong games a tag team
0: match it's incredible that's gold one more one more parting shot rodman related if you guys are uh listening to this and running out of movies to watch hit up double team from 97 dennis rodman (laughs) jean-claude van tam and mickey rourke get in it's a great one
2: it is speaking of movies scott do you know do you understand the demolition man reference i
3: do um Arnold was in that right oh no was am I wrong? No,
2: you, well, I don't actually. I don't think it was. No, no it get, was off this, and, and get off Wesley this. Get off this. get
0: off this podcast and go and watch them. Watch <laughs> the oh, you
2: almost made it through without
0: Mike telling you to get off the
3: podcast. So get out of here. You've been voted off.
0: <laughs> 89 minutes in, you're voted off the podcast. 99 minutes in. Oh man, oh, it's,
3: it's Sylvester Stallone. I
0: same difference. <laughs>
1: well that's how we'll end the podcast no no higher note to end it on uh for scott rafferty alex novek and mike adams i'm carlin gay we will see you next time right here on nba sound system